Hey, what's up? My name's Grant Kenoki. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, and artist, and you're listening to Power 98.5. We don't play the social game. We are social. Power 98.5. You're listening to Power 98.5, powered by United Angels Dream, your number one resource for public relations, entertainment, and multimedia. Contact them today at unitedangelsdream.com. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd. He's progressive. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's intelligent. He's powerful. He's positive. He is Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 Satellite Radio. Yeah, yeah. I had a moment. <laughs> We're doing something different tonight, so just bear with me. I got my very, very good friend Joe Stump here. He's co-hosting with me tonight, but you know what? My team's on the other side of Manchester. I've got my intro music going on, and for some reason, I just had a quick blurp, blurp. So, I let's bring Joe back on. Joe, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. You look great. Thanks for being with us here. Live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5. Joseph Stump in the house. He just got done. Tell us, what were you doing today? You're doing some photo shoots outside with, uh, what was that name brand? Uh, Sarman Fashion. Yeah. Uh, I they, They've sent me some clothes and I'm uh, basically letting people know about their clothing brand. And it's pretty good pretty good fit and a pretty good style and it's great clothing material now after this you can go ahead and uh, let them know you gave them a shout out on uh, power 98.5 absolutely and hear what they have to say yeah so what are you gonna do are you getting any more clothes or what's happening um i probably will get some more down the road from them um but you know i'm working on my own stuff right now yeah i know sue box you want to tell us about it uh, right now, I'm working on trying to start my own clothing line called Subox uh, Clothing. Um, it's going to be a little bit, but it's going to be a luxury type of fitness clothing. Um, and we'll just see where it goes. Well, we know you got the the logo done. Now I got to get down to the manufacturing company when they open up. Look and see what they got. See if you like the brands. Yeah. It'll be a different type of material. Just trying to find the right material for it. What's the goal of it? What's the goal of the box? Tell us. Uh, the goal is to first off, first I'm going to just start off with like shirts and stuff. Um, see where it goes. You know the Subots, the the name brand itself. The Subots comes from Poland. Um, it's a Polish name. It's actually my mom's maiden last name. Um, and I came up with some other ideas, but I'm like, let me just do Subox because <laughs> it kind of sounds rich in a way. Uh, so that's what I chose to do, choose that name. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to take some time and, you know, seeing, putting it out there for people to purchase and to buy. But, you know, if you, I got to be dedicated and keep on pushing towards it and stuff. And once it comes out, I'll be ready to show, show the world it. Well, Hey, you're really passionate about it. And that's the thing. People are going to believe in it because you believe in it. And that's something you already talked about, you know? Right. Yeah. And the logo looks incredible. 
I, I had the opportunity, Joe and I were sitting one afternoon and he pulled out his iPad and showing me his incredible skills of how he writes. And I was like, yeah, you got it. And he nailed it too. So you own your own logo. You don't have to worry about paying another artist or nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this boy's got some set skills. So, so what's on the mark? I mean, we, we've had an incredible week. Talked about a lot of stuff. Showed me a video of uh, Ashton Kutcher helping kids out and oh yeah with the with the with the foster care kids and stuff because yeah. a lot of people don't know there's you know we have so many kids in fo the foster care system and a lot of people don't realize i mean there are some false families been taken away from their families from even from good families and placed into these homes and uh and and just my, me being a foster child myself and growing up in the foster care system um at a very young age um I didn't have the greatest family, uh, and you know, as Ashton Kutcher was saying on his uh, on his uh, podcast, and when he was on in the courthouse, that you know, a lot of these kids, they don't, they don't, like most of them won't end up, you know, making it in life. A lot of them will end up in prison. A lot of them will end up in a gang, on the streets, homeless, you know, just making bad choices their whole entire life. Most of them won't even graduate from high school. Um, and, and there might be a very small, small percentage that they may make it through high school and also go to college. Um, but I, cause I was one of those ones, you know, I didn't, I did finish high school and I also did get my associate's degree. Um, and hopefully one day to keep on pursuing it. But my whole goal is on here today is just to let people know about the foster care system. I mean, you got people who are you got people who are for the foster kids and some who are just for the money. And the ones who are for the money are not the greatest people. As for myself, I didn't have the I didn't have that luxury of having a good foster care family. You know, being abused uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, you know, abused for you know you know eight nine ten years by this family and having nowhere nowhere to go no one no one to tell getting told that you know i'm lying and stuff like that so you know my my whole thing is you know there's a lot of kids in the foster care system that they they just need a a person they need that mentor they they could use a bigger brother or a bigger sister they could use that you know, that mentor that will talk to them about things, about how to live life. And, you know, what I think is what we do need in this foster care system is what are we doing to prepare them when they turn 18? What do we have? What programs are there? Because there's not really a lot of programs out there for these young kids to go out there and be successful. And and if they don't have that, you know, they, that mentorship or that, family that actually is going to give them that those skills to help them learn it they're not going to make it so how do you expect them and you know it's most of the time is you don't know where these a lot of these kids grew up in and some of their foster families or some of their parents you know they broken homes and you know it's not always it's not always that the the mother or the father was a bad person it's just you know some bad things happened um, as for myself, like it wasn't really my mom's fault in the very beginning. It was due to, um, my stepfather, but I think that pe people need to realize that, you know, 
foster kids need lo- need loving too. And we got to start nicking in the butt when it comes to doing better background checks on these on these homes. Now, are they doing it for the money or are they doing it because they want to help these young kids? Because when you're starting to put like, you know, three, four, five, six, seven kids in one foster care home, it should raise some concerns. And I'm not saying that all foster parents are bad. And, and, you know, I've seen some really great ones that that have had several uh, foster kids in it and they were great ones. So, but it's the ones that are that are only doing it for the money, the ones that are hiding the secrets from the people, the ones that are hiding the abuse and the sexual abuse and things like that. And I just think that we need to start figure, figuring another way to do that because just like we were saying earlier, it's like you have so much of these kids being uh, being human trafficking. Mm. A, lot, a lot of kids are where are the where are all these kids going? A lot of them are missing. And it could be some of them come from the foster care system, but where you know it's just one of those things that we think that people need to open an eye and see that you know not all these foster kids that grow up in a broken home are terrible kids. Some of them just need a stepping stone. They just need that that person to step up to them and step up to the plate and help these young kids because that's what they need. Mm-hmm. I agree, and i I was looking up on online today and. See here, Joe and I've got a, a similar black background, and I, I think he went through it a lot worse because I ended up with more stability in my life later in life. But it, it was really difficult uh, in its transition. But um, but you and I had a conversation just the other day where I really experienced predator behavior because as you get older, and as Joe was sharing, you know, with foster care and and the emotional mental health kids go through, you know, predatory behavior not only happens to children, but it can also happen with adults as well. Um, With that, you know, Joe, if you can share with us, what do you believe it is done to you as an adult? Do you still feel affected by the past in all honesty? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still, yeah, I mean, the past still, um, what's the word? Um, the past still haunts me. Um, but I found a way to move on from it. I mean, yes, it affects me because I feel like my childhood was robbed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to do the things I wanted to do. I didn't get to play sports. I didn't get to have a lot of friends. I wasn't allowed to go to sleepovers and, and things like that. But there's nothing we can do about the past. We can just keep on moving forward because um, right now we, we live in the present to keep moving for tomorrow. And so, yes, it does still haunt me. Yes, you know, th- I do get irritable at, at, at things all the time. Um, it's just going to it's just going to happen, you know, probably forever. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at me being in this as a foster child for 18 years, that's the majority of my life that I've been living being almost 32 years old. And I've been in the system for, I was in the system for 18 years, 19 years. So when you, when you're dealing with that for that so many years, that's going to be in, in your mind all the time. Like there's certain things that, um, I, you know, you know, I know that I stay at home 
most of the time just because that's where I prefer to stay. Um, I don't reach out a lot to go out and do things. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes do I wish that, uh, I had a different childhood? Absolutely. Um, I do wish that I was able to play sports and was able to hang out with friends and have uh, more people to hang out with and get to know people and things like that. I mean, as a foster child, I mean, I think I went and I probably just high school alone, I went to five different high schools alone. And so you imagine trying to make friends going from high school to high school and trying to make friends when you're new at even as a junior or a senior and you're like, uh, yeah, how am I supposed to make friends with these people? I can't even play sports still. Cause I still wasn't a, you know, I went into the juvenile homes. I've been into the boys homes. Um, so that's, you know, I feel like when the, these foster kids, like we should be, we should be allowing them to play these sports, allowing them to have their friends. I mean, treat them like they're your own kids. Like if you have kids of your own, then treat these kids, foster kids as your own too. They deserve that respect. They deserve that love. And so they, when they grow up, they can be, they can see the good in them. Like for me, like mine was terrible. Um, but I try to live every day um, to keep bettering myself and to progress everything I'm doing. I mean, I have accomplished a lot. I believe I, I, I've accomplished a lot of things. I mean, I had a lot of people that, you know, they've always said, like, I can't believe where you have come from. Like, you started from the bottom and now you're at the top. Like, you have impressed so many people. Like, how did you, how do you, how did you do it? And, you know, one of the biggest things is it was 18 years old, 19 years old and, you know, being going to be homeless. And I was like, oh, this is not my life. I can't live like this or because I don't want to be homeless. I don't want to be a statistic because everybody knows the statistics of foster care. If you ever done your re if you do research, it's it's ridiculous what the what the statistics of the foster kids are and where they'll end up at or what will happen to them down the road. Um and it was all because, you know, I, I seeked out help and I received a mentor and till this day, they, they've always been there for me. Um, you know, they're great. They're great and wonderful people. You know, they're out of Michigan, um, the Obanoff family. Um, they've been great, great people. And I've had other people too, that been in my lives too. Um, like the King family and the, and the, um, the big Nall family. So it's been a lot of families that, you know, I treat them just like that, like they're my family and they treat me like as their own too. And because of them, that's, I, that is how I became who I am today because of them. And if it wasn't for them helping me, I don't think I would be where I'm at right now. I don't think I would be in the military. I don't think I'd be having my own house, having three dogs, taking care of myself, living my life, um, you know, as a, you know, as 31, 31 years old, um, living a life and you know most people don't have what i have at 31 years old so you know i'm very thankful um that i have accomplished the things i have accomplished over time you know and you know i'm not saying and i'm not perfect with anything that i've received or anything like that because everything you know there were there were obstacles that i had to overcome or you know i had to overcome try to get through them walk over them whatever the case may be I over, you know, I overcame those obstacles and 
I, I know that there will be obstacles down the road. Everybody's going to have obstacles, but it's the way that you deal with these obstacles and how you're going to overcome them. And just because your past or something that happened in the past, and, and, and it may not even been in the foster care system. It could have been something else. Um, you know, it could have been you lost your one of your greatest best friends. It could have been, you know, a, a woman might have been raped or something like that. Those things will scar you for life, but it takes a strong person to 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 keep on moving on in your life. And, you know, you're going to deal with those that that scar. But I believe if you believe in yourself to overcome it, you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was really good. That was a really good share. You you covered a lot, but yet you didn't give too much away in a sense because everyone has a different story. Everybody has a different approach. Yes, everybody's – and I'm one of those people – I don't compare my past to anybody else's because everybody deals with things differently. One of the one of my biggest pet peeves is is I don't like when someone says to me, I understand because – or when I had my past and people say, I understand. Or if you might have had someone that had passed away and people say, I understand. You don't understand. You don't understand what that person is feeling because that person does not have the same feelings as you. And my past is my past. Could have been worse than somebody else's? Maybe so. But I'm not going to, to tell you that my my past is worse than yours. My my. My horror story is my horror story, and your horror story is yours. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, how I can tell people that when, you know, with it, they had a, uh, you know, a hard childhood or, a, you know, a hard past, and I'm just like, like, you know, I, I, I don't understand what you're going through, but I, you know, I believe that you'll, you'll make it through. And same thing is like, you know, I believe you can overcome these things. It just takes a strong person to do it. Not everybody can do it, but if if you can find that in you to overcome those, uh, overcome your past, I mean, you can be more successful in the future. And and that's what I had to, you know, that's what I had to do. I couldn't live in the past anymore. Um, but does your past still do, do certain things trigger the past? Absolutely. But I can never. I don't. I don't know what if what is going to trigger the past for me or not. It just happens like that, and I just don't. I won't. I won't know. Um, but yeah, does that scare you? Not knowing what will trigger you? No, it do, It doesn't. It doesn't scare me. It, um, for the fact that is, you just got to be ready for how to deal with it. Um. And if you're ready for, it, I mean, you don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, it's everybody takes things differently and stuff like that. And you know, and you know, I had to go through counseling and things like that. And uh, I don't believe I don't believe in counselors and um, psychiatrists and things like that. But I would never tell anybody not to go to see a counselor because everybody needs needs deals with things differently. But based off of what I've dealt with with them, I don't trust them. Um, but I would always tell someone you probably need some counseling or you probably need to see someone or talk to somebody about what you're dealing with. Um, just because you gotta, you you gotta find a way to deal with that situation before it becomes too, before it comes to, um, 
hard. And so for myself, I don't see counselors and I won't seek them out. But I would tell anybody if if you need a counselor, I would say use see a counselor or use your whatever your best who your best friend is or someone that you're really close to, even if that's your pastor or maybe it's not a family member, but it's a friend of a friend or something like that. Somebody that will listen to your story, but someone that will actually listen, not talk during your while while you're trying to speak what what you're dealing with and things like that. I know we've got uh, some parents tuning in tonight. Uh, my team did a great email blast. I want to thank all of them for that. Thank uh, my friends and people on social media, Instagram for sharing this. Joe shared it. Um, I don't ever plan these interviews at all. So I'm just going with the flow, going with the, the comments and some of the responses and recommendations that came uh, back. Uh, Joe's done a couple interviews. Uh, he did one with Charmaine. Yeah. Yes, it was on uh, Speak Up Sis, uh, Speak Up Sis podcast. That was really good. He did a two part series on that. Um, one of the things that was not touched on when you were getting interviewed, but all of them were golden points because it was your story that was sharing. Is uh, you know a lot of times, and and for those that are listening to parents, to single parents, young, older, uh, abuse usually happens close to the family. It's online. It's talked about. It's told about a lot of times. One of the things I would like to read uh, from Rain.org it says: Victim selection. Abusers often observe possible victims and select them based on ease and access of them or their perceived vulnerability. Just like what Joe shared. It was someone very, very close. Uh, you know, it can happen with a neighbor, a stranger, school teacher. How many times? But, but uh, you know, for the most part, the predators always know or know of the victim, you know, before it happens. Gaining access and isolating the victim. Abusers will attempt to physically and emotionally separate a victim from those protecting them and often seek out positions in which they have contact with minors. So uh, before you go into this share, Joe, would I, to, to get your viewpoint or experience on this for those that are listening and those that will continue uh, to listen, this uh, episode uh, will air Monday and Tuesday. Um, I may do Wednesday, but I know Monday and Tuesday we're going to do, I'm going to write this down here to send this over to my team. We're going to have this air 11 a.m. Eastern time, and we're going to do 6 p.m. Eastern time. So once again, today we are live. Joe Stump, Steve Cuoco, live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5. What inspired me is from a video that Joe shared with me yesterday. Ashton Kutcher, I had no idea that he's out there helping kids. Um, but once again, these, these perpetrators whether it's a child, an adult to a child, or adult to adult, it's always someone close to them. So Joe, when you, uh, when you were growing up and the, in, in this experience, did you ever felt alienated? Uh, the, the person that did this to you, uh, did this person try to separate from you from your mom? Did they try to get in the middle? Was there any type of uh, possession experience? to keep you very secluded and quiet throughout all this? Uh, so, well, this, this, this Foss family, uh, I won't say their name cause they don't deserve that. Um, 
this first family, they basically would threaten me uh, and say if I would tell anybody, mm, you'd I'd be uh, killed in the backyard or buried in the backyard in the chicken coop. Um, but, you know, there was time, I, I was still able to see my mother at times, but, you know, I think the system, um, kind of screwed my mother over at the same time. Cause my mother at the time when she was able to get us back, she got remarried and she had another son and they gave her a ultimatum. Um, to either move into another house that had more bedrooms or build another bedroom, which they couldn't afford to go buy another house. But what they did do is they had people that could build another bedroom, which they did build another bedroom. But during that time, after that bedroom was built, uh, my stepfather at the time, my mom, who the guy that my mom was married to, who was who was a really great guy to her. Um, died, and when he passed away, you know the caseworkers and stuff basically told her that she was not getting her kids back, mm. and so with that, it kind of you know kind of hurt my mother because she did all this extra work to find out that they weren't going to give us back to her. Um, but my mom, I told my mom and stuff what this family was doing and stuff, but she was. She, there's nobody she could tell because my caseworker knew that I was what was happening to me, but she did nothing. And um, so I've had other I've had other teachers that, you know, teachers growing up too that knew, but I never told them they they suspected mm-hmm. it. But I always would lie to them and tell them that, uh, no, I fell down when I would get a bruise or a, no, a broken nose or a. Uh, a black eye or any type of marks on my body because because you know this family would beat me, would hit me with fly swatters belts um throw pots and pans throw hot water um wires sticks i mean whatever brooms whatever they wanted to use they would use you know remember the wooden spoons and the wooden sporks that's what they would hit me with too but um they, I mean, they also underfed it, under underfedded me. Um, so, and you know, at night I would have to steal food at night. But uh, the so I always was still able to see my mother, and then um, I didn't get to see her for a while, and then they let me see her, and then they, she lost her rights, and then I never got to see my mom again. Um, and I st- I stayed with that family, um, and then you know at one time. You know, this family did whatever they wanted to. I mean, I was still physically, sexually, emotionally uh, abused by this family. Like I even said, like I said in Speak Up Sis podcast, you know, this family, I mean, they hung me by my hands, hung me by my feet, tied me like a pig before I go to bed. So at night um, when I wake up in the morning uh, and they would use stay ties, put glove, they put, um, would they would put socks over my hands and tie and you stay ties to t- tie up my hands behind my back and my and also my feet. Um, but I slept on the floor majority of the time with no blanket, and so that was very uncomfortable. Um, y- you know they all they all they also had another foster ch- kids too, and and one of a, one of the kids actually was adopted by them, and he did not want to get adopted by them, and he, he his life didn't 
end up right. He he, en- he ended up in prison at a very young age. He finally did get out of prison, um, and it looks like his life is getting a little bit better. Um, but yeah, he, he basically when he was when he ran away and stuff like that, that family was no nothing to him anymore. They didn't care about him. They adopted him for no reason. He should never been adopted. But they've also adopted other kids that had really great lives and stuff like that. And I mean, <clears throat> this family would be a, be a two year old. And I can, like I, I said before, her, you know, her, I can still remember her name. Her name was Olivia. And she was only two years old. And Olivia had autism. And Olivia would always stick her hand out because she was hungry. She always wanted food. And she, when they, when she would reach her hand out and try to take their food, they would take a fly swatter and beat her hands with it. And then, you know, one of the ways that they would hide, even they did it on myself and, you know, the other foster kid too, um, how they would hide marks is they would use Desidin and because Desidin would hide red marks because, I mean, you know, how diaper, diaper rashes, it hides the right, it gets rid of the red marks and the rash. But it did the same thing when with the regular marks and stuff too with from the fly swatters, and um, they would just use desodorant. And I would, if I, if there was marks on me, I would wear a long sleeve t shirt or a um, um, uh, sweatpants. Um, so they, so yeah, so I still was able to go see my mom and everything. And I know I'm going in different things, but. Um, I'm just going trying to remember things, um, but yeah. So I, when I didn't get to see my mom no more, there was a chance I was able to get adopted. I was going to get adopted. I mean, and, and you know, one thing before I go into that, I could go in and tell you so many stories about this foster families, and I and I didn't even talk about in the beginning about my stepfather because I wasn't even in foster care yet. But um, he did things too to me as a as a child, you know, sexually molested. That's the reasoning why I was taken away from my mother because I was molested by my stepfather at a, at two to three years old. Um, but even, but back to the getting adopted, but I was going to post to get adopted and everything like that. And, you know, it was a really good family. I moved into them, but you know, because I was never loved in that in you know i was never loved so i didn't understand why this family was buying me all these things doing all these things for me because i never had it i never when it was my that was my first time celebrating christmas was was with this adopted this adopted family and um because i never was allowed to celebrate christmas i never was allowed to celebrate any of the holidays my birthdays nothing like that so when I went to this family. It it lasted about two months before I started getting in trouble in school and everything, and got placed in a um, into a placement into a placement, and stayed in this uh, place for a little while, and then went back to that family. And again, it didn't work out. And again, where do they? Where did the um, social worker put me back with that same family that did all those things to me? And again, they did the exact same thing again. And then one day I just woke up and things changed. And I don't know how my how I just woke up and just started doing saying like, like if they were going to do something to me, then I'm going to do something back. It just, I don't know how I got that strength. Sometimes I'm like, maybe it was God giving me that strength because I'm like, how did I give a 
get get the strength to defeat my enemies that were always all the time abusing me and things like that. Um, so that one day when she when that woman walked up those stairs and said that she was gonna beat me, that's when I shoved her down. I shoved her down the steps. <laughs> I know it's not funny, but it. <laughs> But it, you, you probably, it felt good though. It felt, it felt good. It and then, an then I ran away. I walk, I was walking down the street and then this one police officer called, saw me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just walking to this park. And he's like, how old are you? I said, uh, 14. He's like, you're not supposed to be walking out here by yourself like that. I mean, back then, back then, you know, you wasn't really worried about child trafficking back then in the nineties early 2000s um and so i um went and he took me back and he's told me if i ever if he ever catches me running away again and he's going to take me to jail and at that time in my mind i was like please do please take me to jail i'd rather go to jail than be at this place but 14 years old i'm not going to jail but so again i went back to that family and then again he uh, Ralph tried to do some, uh, the, the guy, um, went and said, uh, you know, he tried to do, pull some, a stunt. And then, um, when he, he tried to hit me, I grabbed, I grabbed a hammer and told him like, t- and told him that when, when they're, when you guys fall asleep, this hammer is going to go through you guys. And then they, they did not go to, they didn't go to bed and I didn't go to bed and I held that hammer the whole entire time in my hand. Um, and then the very next day, he was, I ran away again. The same police officer saw me. And he's like, you're going to jail. I said, thank you. And I literally told the police officer, thank you. I said, you don't know what I've gone through. And here comes, you know, the fat woman. She was a big woman. Walking down the, walking down the hill. And telling the police officer, yeah, we don't want him back. Yeah, I'm good. You don't want me back. And then that's when I told them what was going on. And they pushed me into that. And then um, life changed after I left that place. And then I was like, uh, um, so I went down, you know, so I went, they took me to the station and then they found this foster family for this other foster family that, I mean, I was saying that they had several foster kids. They were a really great foster family. They were not doing it for the money. They absolutely loved kids and they adopted a lot of kids too. A lot of the kids that they fostered, they adopted. Um, but then I was there for about two weeks and then I had to leave They put me in a plate in another placement again. And I stayed there and because I was behaving, they let me go back to that family. But, uh, that family only lasted for so long before I got in trouble again. And then I got put back in this place. And then from there on out, I was in just juvenile detention for the rest of until I turned 18 and they got put into a, um, semi independent place where it was more of an open, open program boys and it was a really good program i met some really great staff members and things like that including um the king family but i met them way before when i was like um way before and so went from there and then you know after it turned 18 19 years old this basically the state says we're done with you and there was no place for me to go 
And that's where I'm like, we don't have, there's not these, maybe it's just Michigan. I don't know. Cause that's where I was a false child at, but there's not a lot of programs out there for these kids that are getting, turning 18 years old. So I believe like we need, how do we create these, these, not we, these agencies need to create these programs for these, to prepare these kids for the future. Even that, even if it's to learn, learning how to manage your money, how to fill out a job application, how to build a resume, how to do all these different things to learn how to become an adult so you don't become homeless and learn how to be financially stable to pay your bills. And definitely in this day and age, you don't want to be homeless in this day and age nowadays when everything's, you know, the market, everything is up compared Back in the day when I could only, I only had to pay $200 to rent a room. Nowadays, you're looking at paying $800 for a room. I mean, the, so it's like, we got to, these kids, we got to help these kids or find a program. They, they need to build a program for these kids to help them to better their lives. So they're not, so they're not a statistic. Cause I feel is that's just what the state is looking for over the foster care system. To me, it's a multi It's a million dollar industry. These people are making so much money. It's an economy. Yeah. It's like war, sickness. It's all an economy. One of the things, was it the King family that adopted you and gave you all those gifts and stuff? Who? No, it was the, um, the Simmons. Okay. So one thing I would like to touch on here, uh, is talking about gifts. I want to thank my team for sending this information over. So not everyone who gives you gifts is out to hurt you. However, this, this is a, I'm so glad Joe brought this up because these people were trying to love Joe and give him a sense of security. They were doing this in a, in a good way. Here's something I would like to, to read to you that was sent to me. And I want to, want to thank once again, my team for sending this information over. Cause I knew Joe was going to have some really golden moments, but also to make it very clear for those that are tuning in, um, if you have children, uh, if you're concerned about any kids that are being hurt, if there's any signs, I'm going to touch on some of these things that of information because Joe is he's sharing his experience, but outside of that experience is to understand a predator's mind. So creating dependency, a sexual predator, and this is adult to child or adult to adult. Yes, adults. There are predators out there that do like adults. They may not go towards children or they may go towards younger people. So this is, this is factual information. This, this can, you know, this is, you know, sexual harassment. This happens with people at work. How many times it's all predatory. So a sexual predator may begin manipulating their chosen victim to create dependency and intimacy. In the beginning, they may be very attentive, showering the individual with gifts. This was not happening with Joe, but this does happen. This is the, the other side of this, this sick behavior. Gifts, praise, phone calls, and text messages. This creates a feeling in a victim that the perpetrator has a special bond with them. The victim may feel that the perpetrator can provide something no one else can. All right? And they are the only person who truly understands, respects, and cares for the victim. This builds loyalty, vulnerability, 
which the sexual predator can then use to their advantage. So if Joe wants to, to share on this topic, um, you know, of, of where he's at, but a lot of times, you know, it doesn't leave you, you know, when you are um, violated even once as a child or as an adult in this manner, it can, it will affect your friendships, your relationships, the relationship that you have with yourself. Um, so with this, just be mindful. It's not just children, also adults. What are their intentions? What are they trying to control? And if intimacy, I'm going to let Joe take the mic after I make this point. Let me just double check and make sure if, uh, if they combine this with something else. Uh, so we did that. Um, we're going to get into grooming next is that's another huge problem that, that predators do. Um, my point, so I don't go off track, um, is here is the creating dependency is, uh, if, yeah, if this is leading into, if you, if, if an adult to a child or adult to an adult leads to immediate sexual contact. And here's the other thing that was sent to me. And I don't, and, and, you know, uh, Joe's got more, he's going to share and talk about, but we're going to give two different perspectives. Joe's giving a, a perspective as a person who was victimized. Um, I'm giving a perspective from factual information of what to look out for in conjunction to understand what happened to Joe that, when intimacy begins, especially from receiving gifts and praise and, and this, this embellishment of attention, there's a problem. How can you go into intimacy that quick with someone uh, over these things? There's a hidden agenda. But the other thing, too, is keep in mind is even though the child has grown up, the behavior can still carry on. And that's the number one thing that you've got to look out for, that if you've got a brother, a sister, even if you've got a parent that had ever experienced sexual abuse, rape, uh, the behavior patterns can still continue. And this is something I uh, talked about with Joe yesterday, especially here in the entertainment industry that we have a big, big problem in. uh, And with, especially with this, talking about giving gifts and stuff, is they know how to find you. They know how to find your weak spots. They know what they're looking for. So when these predators come in, they know what you need. They know what you want. They pay attention to every single thing that you're talking about. And they look to find where they can have power over you to create what is called dependency. So with that, Joe, have you been able to find in all your independence, being successful, being in the military, having your own house, having loving animals and everything, um, what do you do to encourage that independence in yourself to help other people to be independent so that they can avoid being predatorized by, by someone and taken advantage of? Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there are people that will gift you, but then they also, but they also have a, um, What's the word? Ulterior uh, motive. Uh, yes, they have an uh, ulterior motor, motive, and so. But sometimes you don't even know. You don't. Um, what you don't even know if they do or not. Um, 
but then there are some people that you know they they will gift you but they're gifting you because they care for you personally and things like that and those are the good people but the ones that are wanting something from you at the same time is a different story and being independent um is probably you know a good thing is because you know some you know first off it's going to be hard when you buy your when you buy your house and you're just coming out of an apartment or renting a room like when i i was renting a uh i guess they call it like a mother suite you know it was a um in it was another person's house but it was in their basement that they had two bedrooms and a bathroom and a kitchen and everything like that and i didn't have a lot of stuff in that place you know couches a couple things like that but not a lot so moving into my own place i didn't have a a lot of stuff to put into my house so the very first few the very first few um months of me moving into my house it it was empty it was empty so there was not a lot of um stuff in my house so it was um the so uh, when i when i moved in i had a lot of people that did off that did um you know that got gave me a lot of stuff that helped me with everything um and they um would send me gifts like my brother and stuff like that you know a house housewarming gifts and things like that oh uh, it was the dogs you guys it was my dogs yeah, came no in mind. here <laughs> um but they you know a lot of people they helped me out with um with some stuff to you know to get my house up to and to where it should be um but none of these people were are were out searching for something from me back um but when it comes to certain things in life that you may think that even in the foster care system or your even your friends or something sometimes they do something for you but they're really wanting something back from you or and I've noticed grown, you know, le- growing up and stuff that, you know, I, people started seeing me become more successful and people start asking me for things or asking me for money or asking me if I can get them this. And I realize it's why they only call me or message me when they need something. They don't message me to ask me how I'm doing or ask me what's going on or anything like that. So I nicked that in I nicked that in the butt real quick because I'm like I'm not somebody's bank account and I'm not just going to give people things all the time. And I had to do that because you know they were searching for something that's like they had a d- different intentions for you. And so I tell people like, you know, you have to be careful of who who you surround yourself with at the same time because you don't know who, I don't even know how I'm saying this but uh no you you got it you're doing good um because you just have to be careful of what you who who you surround yourself with and if someone has other intentions of trying to do things for you and are they doing something for you because they want something else, they want something in return because then if that's the case that's not really a gift 
Mm-hmm. It's not a gift if someone's wanting something into re- in return, regardless of what it is that they're wanting, because that's that's that, that doesn't make it a gift anymore. So a gift is a gift that someone gives to you because they care, they love you, or it's your birthday, it's a holiday, or something like that. But if it's a person that's saying, "Oh, but you know, I bought this for you. Do you re- don't you remember?" Then that then all that whole time is that you thought that that was a gift. That was never a gift. And just like in the foster care system, because yeah, there were times that the when my caseworker would come over or one of my teachers would come over to the house, that this foster family they would treat me like a whole different person. That they really cared for me. They would give me ice cream, which is they would never do. If that if that person ever came, they would give me candy, which never happened. Or I was allowed to watch TV, or I was allowed to go play video games. So that was their their that was their intention to make it look like yeah, we're taking really good care of him. We're doing this and this. We're doing that, and the, yeah, it wasn't the case at all. So it was a um, they they were portraying something that was not true. And some of these people probably believed it, but I tell you, most of them did not believe it. Mm -hmm. They knew in reality that there was more going on, but they just could not put their finger on it because I would never open my mouth. So when, so going back to that fa- that adopted family that was going that was going to adopt me, I never really actually got adopted, um, but they they were giving me gifts, but it wasn't they weren't buying me these things because they wanted something in return. They did these things because they treated me as like I was their own, but I didn't understand it because I'm like they they were caring and loving me too much and i didn't know how to take it so i would back up and and treat them with disrespect or treat them mean and things like that even when they would buy me things and you know we would go to restaurants and i get to pick my own drink or i get to pick my own food or when we at night we we would make pizzas and and things like that. It was like a real family ordeal with this family, but I just didn't understand. And they, a lot of people do believe I should have never been taken from that family because there was no reason for them to take me. The family did not give up. The, the family did not give up on me. The state says that I was no longer fit for that family, so they took me out. And that is, I think, that's one of the biggest problems too. Is in my opinion, it's just, you know, it's all about money in this, in this whole ordeal with the foster care system. And, and even in the adoptions, I mean, even adoptions, I mean, things can cost money to things can cost money if you want to adopt a child. And it's like, why are we charging to adopt a child when this child needs a home? This child needs a family. Um, but yeah. And, and here's, something that's perfect that Joe touched on that I was going to go right into next grooming grooming can feel exhilarating at first the predator employs attentiveness sensitivity false empathy and plenty of positive reinforcement to seduce their victim 
for their part, victims can be so enthralled with or overwhelmed by the attention they are receiving, they will often overlook or ignore the red flags. This goes back to what you talked about before. You just may not know. You may not know the red flags until uh, inappropriate touching, controlling. Once again, these predators look for control. And here's a, here's a good point also, as I know Joe's got more to touch on, is uh, when you start having friends and family question who you're hanging with, who is this person, what is going on, you seem different, you're not the same person, your behavior patterns are changing, that is a red flag. That's where Joe was talking about. If, you're, if the social worker is, is not noticing, if, if, if you um, or if they are, sometimes it can be so innocent and so like nonchalant that you may not know. But if your child, if your, um, if your teenage son, if, if uh, someone that you know, an adult, if there's any sexual harassment happening at work, if there's anything, once again, it's always someone that is close to you. If there's any grooming getting done and you start having your close, close, I'm talking about family and friends who know you well, and they are starting to see behavior patterns, temperaments, emotional outbursts, uh, with being withdrawn. That is a red flag because when behaviors, you don't start talking and talking to someone all the time, or you see your family, you check in, and then you go absent or things start going crazy. Red, red flags. Uh, red flags that may alert them that the person who is showering them with that attention is, is somehow off, little by little. The abuser breaks through a victim's natural defenses, gains trust, and manipulates or co- co- um, coerces the victim into doing his or her bidding. So once again, if someone you know, someone you love is becoming withdrawn, erratic, behaviors changing, mood swings, whatever it may be, Ask them what is going on. Check in with them. If you're not getting phone calls and you're used to getting phone calls, you're used to getting visits, check in with them. Uh, I know Joe can probably touch base on this. We're going to say uh, there are six main stages of grooming. One, Joe, you can, uh, once I read off of these, if uh, you have any advice, any recommendations, if any of these stand out, First red, uh, first stage of grooming, targeting the victim. It can be aggressive. It can be nonchalant. Whatever it is, it, it's, you can tell that somebody wants something. Even if you seem interested, if it seems like it's not organic, that's one of the signs, targeting the victim. You got a comment on that? It's the same thing as uh, um, child molesters. Yeah. How The way that they... They reach out to these kids. How they like, hey, you want some candy? Mm-hmm. Do you want this toy? Come here, I can go buy this for you. And most of the time, these young kids are like, oh, candy? Sure. Mm-hmm. Food? Sure. Toy? Sure. So it's, that's the same. That's the same thing as that. Mm-hmm. Is that's how uh, child molesters are out there. To get those kids is that's how they do it. 
Second, and you touched on this, gaining the victim's trust. Um, once again, anything that can be luring in, promises, 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 numbers, uh, you know, Joe, if you got an opinion on this, uh, when when someone is making constant promises, it's not going through. Uh, maybe the child is being told, we're going to go to Disneyland, we're going to go to Disneyland. It never happens, but the promises are being used to keep the control over them. And even if the promises are starting to get fulfilled, let's say the tickets were bought to Disney World, but still you never ended up on a plane. Why is it taking so long to get to Disney World? So if someone is making promises... What, what, what's really going on here? What, what is that other person getting out of it? And let me tell you, (laughs) I'm just going to be fucking honest. If you don't get results and I mean results without a contingency attached to it, that other person is fucking around and committing some fuckery, uh, filling a need. Number three, Joe, filling a need. The predator always is going to look for how they can fill a need for you. Number four, isolating the victim. This goes back to if you've got friends, family, concerned, absent, mood, anything changes. If they are asking, they're not asking potentially because they're trying to find a problem with that person. It's just that they're associating something because it's off. Uh, Let's see. One, two, three. Go ahead, Joe. And I hate to be devil's advocate here too but we we also say predators but the person could the predator could also be the victim you're out yeah you're absolutely right the victim could always because people could always use oh like my past oh and make people feel sorry for them and about their past and everything like that. And people start feeling sorry. People start doing things for this person or things like that. And, and really it's that person, the the victim is now getting what they wanted because they might've wanted something. And now the person is feeling sorry for them because of what they told them or their, their sob story. And, And I know that sounds kind of messed up, but it's, it's, it's true at the same time. I've seen, People try to tell me their sad stories, or they'll tell me, "Oh yeah, I'm I, I'm homeless and I'm I'm broke and all this reasoning." And and then you start asking them questions like, "What's the what? But why are you why are you homeless? What what happened? Well, this and this." And but I'm like, "Well, you know, there's always two sides of a story all the time. So what is?" So at times they could be the one that's just trying to get something from someone because they can't get it, and they, but they'll tell you the sob story, and <clears throat> yeah, we all and I get we we have a we do have people do have a, a a bad childhood or or a bad story and things like that, and I'm not saying that it's you know it's not it's wrong to help them out because you know sometimes it is good to help them out even if they are seeking something from you because of their story at times it you know it, it does feel good because you did help that that person even though they may have just been trying to actually use you um at the same time so again it's you know the victim can also be the predator even though they're not a predator but it's still predatory behavior yes so what do you what do you think or how do you feel, Joe, 
that if a if the victim is doing this and they're carrying on a behavior trait, even if they're doing it slightly differently, how are they going to get their life back then if this if this is what's going to keep happening? Jimmy Ennis? I don't even know. I don't know. They because if they that's what they're if they're that's what they're so used to, then they're just they're stuck. But it got it takes the time for someone to say no. I'm not helping you. I helped you all these many times, yet you're still in the same predicament that you were in, time after time, year after year, day after day. So, what's the change? What are you, what kind of changes are you making? You can't play victim your whole entire life, and and live and keep living in your past. You just you you just can't and accept and expect somewhat everybody to feel sorry for you and to to help you all the time. It, it, it's it's time for you to change. I've had people when I did my the podcast with Speak Up Sis. The people would message me and say, I'm sorry to hear about your past. And I tell them, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry about my past. There's nothing we can do. We can't change the past. There's nothing I can change about that. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it really did suck. And I had a hard childhood. But I'm, 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 today's the, today is the present. And I'm here to live tomorrow for my future. So I cannot keep playing a victim from the past and I know some people are like that's kind of harsh but it's not harsh I mean it's been I've been out of that foster family for let's see it's you know almost 15 I want to say 15 years now I've been out of that that family's house and I can remember everything that happened. Not not everything, but I can remember a lot of the stuff that happened. But I'm not playing victim anymore to things. I'm trying to help. My goal is to help people to speak up about themselves, so they can get over with it. So they don't have to play the victim no more. They can live their they can live their lives and be free from it. Yes, you're going to struggle from from it, absolutely. But it's time let yourself be free from your past. Stop playing the victim and be free. Let yourself free. Live your life. Because if, if you're just going to keep living, living in the past and thinking about everything that happened, that you, you wish this would happen, you wish that could happen, that's not going to change. But what you do today will change for tomorrow. And what you change for tomorrow can change your future. Mm-hmm. So you just have to play, you know... It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to seek for help at times. I've done it. Even at my age, I've I've seeked help for you know if you know if I'm struggling with some with money or something like that, you know I'll ask, but I always will pay it back because I'm not going. I'm not seeking something from you or think I'm going to pay it, pay it to you back. Um, but yes, it's okay to ask for help, but it's not. I don't think it's okay. Use your past to get something from someone. Because there are people out there 
that do really feel bad for your past and they will be the, that type of person that will be willing to give you out you know a loan you their hands and things like that even their house or you know you know whatever it is there there are people out there that will be doing it but i feel sometimes that those people could be could be, be getting they don't know that they're being used at the same time and and i'm not saying it's it's not okay to help people it is okay to help people but also watch out for those type of those type of people at the same time that are using you and using their past to get what they want because you're going to feel sorry for them. What would you say, Joe, knowing that the victim is and, and I, I'm just using words that just come to mind of what this behavior is. A victim is perpetrating against themselves with someone else, and that other person knows that they're playing into a manipulation. Would you say that the other, what would you say about the other person that is indulging um, and uh, being complacent, complicit in this behavior, which is, which is advocating a, a continuation of, of, of um, predatory victim behavior? At the end of the day, that's on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you know what they're doing mm -hmm. and you're still out there doing it, then that's on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I should, I'm not going to feel bad for you because you are indulging into what they're doing. That's on you. Like, if you know that they're doing something, it's like the same, the same thing. If you see someone um, hitting an animal or hitting a child and you're watching them, are you just going to stand there and watch them, or are you going to say something, or are you just going to let, the, or are you going to keep watching that same person do the exact same thing all the time, and you know that it's wrong, but you're not saying nothing. Mm -hmm. You're, if you're not going to say something, that's on you. If you want to feel like you want to be used and be be used, but that's that that is on you. You know, if you already know, then you already you already know. So it's on you. So. You choose what you do. What are your What's your thought on the person that helped the person that was perpetrating against himself? The victim was being manipulative or just carrying on a, a poor behavior patterns, and then the person that helped that that person out came back and decided to say, "You used me. You took advantage of me. Wanted to play the." form of control manipulation role. What's your thought on the, that double-edged sword? They came in, they knew what they were doing. They took full responsibility. They thought they were going to get something out of it, but then because it turned into something different or they lost control or power, then all of a sudden, uh Oh, you are the problem. You are the one that's creating this fuckery going on around here. What's your thought? Are you saying the person that the person that helped, is now blaming the person that allegedly well, they manipulated. manipulated. They, yeah. they shouldn't be blaming what they should. They what they should have done in the beginning is just say, "I cannot help you no more." But now you're gonna say, "Oh, you used me." No, they didn't use you. Any, they didn't use you because you allowed it. So it's not really. They're not really using you if you already knew it. So how are they? If you already knew it, how are they using you? Mm -hmm. Now, it would be different if someone was asking me for things and I didn't know what their thing was and I was constantly helping them and but I didn't know mm -hmm. that they were actually using me 
But if you already knew, then how are you going to say that they're using you and things like that when you already knew? So you can't play now. You're now you're trying to play the victim yourself, and mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't work like that. And, and, and I was just saying that's just a messed up situation. <laughs> totally, uh, sexualizing the relationship. So, what's your thought on that, Joe? Sexualizing the relationship to where. Either sex is thought of, it needs to be included, it has to be included, or it's ever so, um, that there's just sex involved, or, or intimacy, whatever you want to call it. Um, That's part of the grooming, to where there's, there's usually sexual favors, or once in a while, to where the victim is appeasing the perpetrator by allowing intimacy to happen. What is your thought on that when with this happening? It goes back to what you shared before of, you know, the victim the victim ends up becoming a perpetrator. So what happens when the victim allows sexual relations and intimacy in order to appease the other person to keep the favors going, to keep the love going to keep whatever it is that the the victim is trying to get fulfilled. Do you have a thought? Um, uh, so, um, well, it's basically you're selling sex, basically what you're, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just wrong. I don't know what else to say. You, you touched on a, a good point. And, and this is something of why so many children and young people fall into prostitution or escorting. So for yourself. But children are forced. They're not. Forced. Oh. Ch- difference between adult, most adults that do prostitution prostitution some of them choose to do that and or some of them are there are adults that be forced into it but some choose to it children not really children don't really choose they're forced into that type of ordeal and there's that and that right there is just sick and it's hard to deal with because they don't know what they're doing they are they think that's okay. That child, that's what that child is thinking. It's okay. It's the same thing like uh, Ashton Kutcher said when he was saying that nine-year-old girl was being abused and sexually abused, but she doesn't. She didn't realize that it was wrong. She thought it was okay because that's what she was being taught. Yeah, he said that she thought that that was playtime. Play, exactly that that it, that it, that was playtime. She doesn't know. She, she doesn't understand that. She's only nine years old. So, children are 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 forced into these things because of sick adults. And then there are adults. I mean, we. I mean, men and women still get captured and things like that and turned into sex slaves or whatever the case may be and or. 
Um, yes, and so, or some of them are, cho- they choose that route. I mean, look at Las Vegas. Most of those women choose to do that. Or if you look at it, some other countries and things like that, those women choose to do that, or those men choose to do that. Because it's not just women, it's also men too. That men can be prostitute can be prostitutes too, and the same thing on even on the uh, 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 in your big old cities, these most of these women are they're they're selling themselves because they they need something, mm-hmm. or they need some money, or they need a hotel, or they need some food, so they give up sex. So what would you what would you recommend? let's say like someone is 16, 17, 18, 20, 25, 30 years old, and they are still compensating sexual favors in order to keep a friendship going, gifts going, that fulfillment going. Um, I mean, people choose what they want to do. I mean, it depends if if you're at a certain if you're at a certain age, you're choosing to do what you want. Sixteen, seventeen years old, you're not an adult yet, so technically you shouldn't be doing that. Eighteen years old, you're you're an adult, um, but you choose to do what you want to do. And that's your life. But do you think, even though that's a choice, that... Is it wrong? Yeah. It's wrong. But, yeah. Do you think that person deserves to know that there at least could be a better way to try to find a a more healthier way to have those relationships, those friendships? Absolutely. And they, they they can, but maybe that's that's their only that's the only thing that they know. Mm. Sometimes that's the only thing that they know. That's what they grew up on. You know, again, that a lot of this stuff that we talk about it could be based off their past. That's what they grow up to do. That that's where it where it stops. Like even in the in the, and it doesn't have to just do deal with the foster care system. It could be you could have been living in a good home too at the same thing. But your parents don't know what you're doing on the outside. It starts, what to me, stuff like that, like giving things like that, is based off your maybe something happened, or maybe you're looking for more money, so you you're you're doing doing other things to make more money. I mean, it's it don't even have to be sex either. I mean, it could be drugs. I mean, we people fail to realize drugs is just a big part of it too. I mean, people will go out and sell drugs just to make some money, because that's the only way that they know how to make money. Some people are gonna sell their sell their bodies just to make some money. Um, but something sometimes I think it's something based on what happened before is the reasoning why they're doing these things now. But it all starts. Is it wrong? It's wrong. I appreciate that. Because many, many go through that and that's their mindset. And uh, 
they deserve better. You, everyone, you all, you deserve better. You always deserve better. Last one, Joe, is uh, in the six stages of grooming. Maintaining control. Is that anything you can relate to? Do you have an opinion about that? When someone's trying to maintain control, what did that mean for you when someone tried to maintain control? What did they do? What did that person do when they were trying to control you, scare you to not say anything, scare um, you? Uh, well, I mean, it's a, how they control me is basically threatening. That was their way of controlling what I what I would do and what I would say. That's why I would never open up my mouth because of what they would say. I mean, you're a s- nine years old and someone threatens to to kill you or bury you in your back or bury you in the backyard in the chicken coop or in this big huge hole where there's water. You're not gonna say nothing either at nine years old because you're afraid. These people are a lot bigger than you, and they're a lot stronger. And what you've been so, in that what you've dealt with for so long, you are afraid of these people. And that's the some of the biggest things that a lot of these kids are afraid to open their mouths in the system, because they're afraid of what is going to happen to them. That's why a lot of people. It's the same thing with suicide. A lot of people don't talk about the su- that they're going to commit suicide. Some of them want people to know, but then there are some that don't, and they don't say nothing. Pe- people are w- being in a situation where you, you you've been abused. Either it doesn't matter what type of abuse. I mean, physically, emotionally, sexually, um, mentally. You're not you're not going to do you're not going to do something or say something because you're afraid what what the consequences is going to be from that individual, and that was my whole thing is I never I spoke up once and I was called a liar, so never spoke up up about it again because when I when they when my the person I was supposed you think that you're supposed to be trusting, who's your caseworker. To go back and tell the family what I told them. And then that family just unleashes the beast, basically. And tell you to ne- you if you ever say something again, they are going to do this or do that and stuff like that. Well, that's why I never opened my mouth again. And it, and, and, and it's it could be in just, you know, it's not even in just in foster care either. It's in a no, it's in just regular family homes too. Not all these parents think not all these parents are, you know, all high and mighty and things like that. I mean, everybody everybody can be a different person behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So you don't everybody can act like they're the greatest family. But behind closed doors is a different story. But I mean really, really you could see you could see kids faces and see if they're actually happy based on certain things or how they react or how if a mother or a father talks to that child you can see how that child reacts just by their expression of their face you can see 
sometimes those kids can show you that they're they fear their parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and sometimes they can. It might be their it might be their body language that shows you that they fear their 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 parents. Not everybody is perfect. Not everybody. Not every mother and father that acts like, you know, their greatest the greatest mother and father, and really in reality. Behind closed doors, they're a different part. They're a different person, but in front of all their friends and other family members, they act like they're their greatest people. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these kids are are not going to say nothing because they're afraid to speak up, and that's the problem with society is how these kids are afraid to speak up because they're afraid of what is going to happen to them, and that right there is not is not right because adults know that they can have a kid be put in fear to the point where they will not say nothing. Because why? That child is weak. The adults are a lot, you're 10 times stronger than that child. So they're not going to say nothing. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to come back. Joe, I wrote down a couple golden nuggets because the last part before we get into this and anything else you want to additionally share, we can go into it. Um, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5. Joe Stump, tremendous friend. I've had the opportunity now. I think it's been, it's been about, I think, a year and a half now. And, uh, We've bonded in a lot of ways. Like I said, we've, we come from the same type of background, slightly different. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't felt so connected with someone in a way to where I've always felt alone and many victims, you, no matter how much love is there, no matter who is there, what is there, you can't escape the loneliness. And that's the biggest, the biggest thing someone who wants to control you, perpetrate against you, victimize you, they look to find where you're not fulfilled. That's what it is, Joe. They look to find where you're not fulfilled. And that's what they use to exploit you. So we've got, uh, we're going to touch on suicide. We're going to touch on um, putting a child in a fear, and we're going to cover the last part in this of what Joe's going to share when it comes to grooming. Uh, so with that, we're going to do a live music drop by my friend Alex Embler. This song, why I feel to uh, put this is, it has to do, my interpretation of nine hours has to do with self. I don't see it as a love song. I don't see it as, as anything else. It just moves me in a way to where when you listen to these words, it just feels like it has to do with you and your perspective of you and needing to come back to yourself. So nine hours by Alex Embler. Hold on real quick. I think my team did not have it. Here we go. We're going to do it this way. My tech team. We're going to do this. Here we go. 
Thank you guys for waiting. All right, here we go. Nine Hours by Alex Embler. I don't know how you felt about that song or hearing that song, but it is, uh, it just moves me. It just, I told him, I said, it just reminds me of something that should be, you know, be about self. Uh, let's see here. So Joe's showing me something. Is this that? Uh, all right. 
Uh, where are we at here? I'm having a great time tonight with Joe. Something different. Grooming. Thank you for showing me that, by the way, Joe. Um, Joe was touching on a uh, topic point of suicide, uh, child being put in fear. This last part that we're going into, and Joe's going to be on more episodes uh, with me here on Power 98.5 Live on Air with Stephen Cuoco. I'm going to have a custom intro made by my good friend, Hus Rajip, out there in my beautiful place of London. And uh, we're going to have Joe be more of a permanent fixture if he chooses to on here. And once we get the customized intro done for him and me, I hope he does because those intros, <laughs> those uh, Huss is going to hook me up. But, but yeah, they, those mean that you're here. You're part of the, the station. So uh, this coming weekend, uh, we're hopefully second chance. He's a music artist, preferably or hopefully on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, he will be live with us on air with Stephen Cuoco along with Joseph Stump. He's going to share his details at the end, but I know he loves his, uh, I don't know if it's called acronym or what, but his uh, little shout out of Fitco Joe. Fitco Joe. Everywhere. Fit, fit Joko. Fit Joko. <laughs> See, I'm glad you corrected that. He's listening and paying attention. Good job. <laughs> uh, fit Joko. Uh, you can find him everywhere, but I'm going to let him do his praise and shout out. But uh, yes, he's on TikTok. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. Everybody likes to steal his fucking identity and put it all over the place and act like him. But you know what? It's ridiculous. So, yeah, there are a lot of fakes out there. You'll know it. Um, and if you don't know if it's uh, really Joe or not, he will let you know. So uh, definitely double check. There is more than one, more than many. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, he's also on Snapchat. So the last part of grooming the victim finds themselves willingly handing over money or assets, engaging in inappropriate, illegal, or morally ambiguous act, um, activities. For example, okay, here's, an, here's a, a thing. This goes back to what Joe said. Not only does the uh, perpetrator do this, but the victim who acts as a perpetrator does this. For example... Sharing nude photos or videos of themselves. This happens more often by the victims who end up perpetrating and victimizing themselves, not only just the perpetrator. So if someone is sharing, I know it happens often in this day and age, but it's fine that, you know, uh, you know, just try to understand why are you sending the nude photos and videos could go back to what Joe was sharing before, that it could be part of that prostitution. It's the only thing that the person knows. Um, or acting as a proxy for the abuser, fighting the abuser's battles, and carrying out their will. So a lot of times, once again, it's all about gaining control. What does the perpetrator want? The victim often feels confusion, shame, guilt, remorse, and disgust at his or her own participation. Uh, whether it be if they're victimizing themselves or if they are the ones being violated and forced into it. Equally powerful is the panic that comes with the threat of being exposed for engaging these activities. A lot of times, 
especially if it's someone close, the victim will hesitate in sharing who they are having these activities with. So what does that mean? If they are hesitant to talk about the person, if they're hesitant to bring up about the person, if the family member or friend are asking questions, who is this person? And the victim is defensive or they're using excuses or they're hiding behind a fact of, of the seriousness of the relationship that's really going on here, especially if there are sexual favors going on. Um, the victim will do this. Um, often the person on the other side is a con artist with a false profile who makes a living out of extorting money from his or her victims. There may also be an overwhelming fear of losing the emotional bond that has been established between the abuser and the victim. The victim becomes trapped, depressed, despondent, or anxious and fearful of being exposed. So with that, Joe, that tends to lead most people into being suicidal because they end up not having anyone to talk to. They end up feeling very oppressed. Here it says trapped, depressed, despondent, anxious. Someone who is, you know, having suicidal thoughts and they're not talking, they're not sharing, they're not opening up. Sometimes details do matter to purge, to get out so that the victim knows that this was their, not their fault. Um, or if they are victimizing themselves, uh, the victims victimizing themselves to perpetrating against themselves, then taking ownership, the opposite is if it's not, when it's not your fault, releasing it. And then if it's the opposite, taking ownership of it and finding that forgiveness and get through the blame and shame. What, what do you have to say about that? Um, when someone is in this place, in a space, Joe, um, and they're having suicidal thoughts. They're they're severely depressed. Um, they're they're everything is out of control. Do you have any recommendations? I mean, I know how you feel about therapy, but from your own experience, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Oh, well, everybody deals with suicide differently because it's a mental thing, and everybody deals with deals with the things mentally differently. Um, I know I, a couple times, uh, tried to uh, commit suicide in the past. Um, and, but I didn't, well, I wrote some, I wrote something to uh, tell people um, like goodbye or something like that. But it did it through an email, so to take them longer to know, to see the email because it was more like a like a goodbye email, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, suicide is you know suicide is that's a very it's a very strong topic just because you know in the just in the military wise too you know they say 22, 22 soldiers die a die a year or die per day from suicide, and um, and I, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are for suicide in the, in the U.S. right now, or even around the world. But I, but I can guarantee it's probably a pretty, pretty high. De- de- def- definitely during this COVID, um, suicide was probably a pretty high. But to, I don't know, because you, you people don't really. 
unless you know the person very well mm-hmm. and the things and you start seeing things that are differently about that person, you're never going to know that the person has other intentions of maybe com- trying to commit suicide because you have to really know that person based on what are the things that you you watch that person based on what they're putting on the on maybe social media. Maybe they don't have a social media. Maybe they're texting you and they're saying certain things to you. But you're not realizing it, but you're not paying attention to them. But you don't know them that well. Like if a person that really knows you, they know they they know that you're dealing with something. And that's when you should be speaking up to that person if you know. But you're not always going to know that person's what that person's intentions are. And maybe they're just having a bad day and they're just stating something. Or maybe they're something happened and they're just struggling with something but they're not suicidal but you might think they are but you still should ask them people we we are so focused on ourselves or we're not a lot a lot of the times and we and we don't see what our friends are dealing with or what our family members might be dealing with and and if you're not paying attention to the signs it's too late it's too late because they're you. They could take their life like that. <clears throat> but to, I mean, the way to deal with it is like it's going to take th- that person is going to have to speak up about it. That person is going to need to seek out help. The, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of things. It's like, you know, you, you just have to. Like I said, you just have to watch out for that person and what they're dealing with, with mentally. And I mean, a lot of the times now, if they do have social media, most of the times people do write certain things on social media and they say goodbye. What does goodbye mean? Why are you saying good? Why are you just writing goodbye? That should be that should tell you something. And if you don't see that they're writing something and you put a little that little ha 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 face on there. Then that's a pro. That's a problem. Why are you putting a ha ha face on someone that says goodbye? What are you saying goodbye to? Are you saying goodbye to your job? Are you saying goodbye to your life? Are you saying goodbye to a friend? What are you saying goodbye to? Because you put it on social media for a reason. You wanted someone, and a lot of people, and it has been shown and told that a lot of people do talk about. They will say certain things because they want people to know. They want people to know about their suicides. That they or they're about to commit suicide, so because they want help, but they seek the help by p- putting certain things on there, on social media. And if you're not realizing that, then that's a problem. Definitely, if you if you're a really good pr- friend, or if that person said something to you through a text message, and they're just saying, "Oh, I'm," you know, "I just drink the drink a whole bunch," and you know that that person doesn't drink a lot. Or that person said, oh, I just did this drug and stuff like that. And you know that that person would never do drugs. So, there, you, you, I mean, it's like I said, suicide is a very hard thing to, to deal with. Because it's it really, you're not going to know unless that talk, person talks about it. And, I mean, I dealt with suicide multiple times in the past. And, um, and you know... I've even, you know, I've even, I've been very strong about the type of, you know, 
Um, I mean, sometimes people don't want to even tell that they're going to commit suicide because, you know, they maybe they were, uh, when they said something last time, they were made fun of or they got punished or, you know, they were told that they were going to get something and they didn't get to get it. But now they're never going to tell nobody. That's now that's a problem. Because that person now knows is you're, now you're never going to know that that person is going to commit suicide, and I say that because I'm, um, I've said that once before, and I've never will tell nobody because I felt punished that one by a certain organization, and uh, so it, people deal with things differently all the time. And it could be the smallest thing that they're dealing with. But it, you may think, actually, let me take that back. You may think it's the smallest thing that they're dealing with. But it could be a big thing that they think that they're dealing with. So just because you think it's something smaller doesn't mean that they have to think it's smaller too. Now they may think it's a lot bigger and a lot harder to deal with. Because, again, we're humans. All humans, we deal things differently. Mentally, we deal things with di differently mentally. So, if I, for let's just say, you know, we ha you you have a buddy that's that is dealing with they lost their job and they're not going to find a job for a while because they're not going to be able to find the job that makes the amount of money that they were just making, and but they lost their job. To you. The other person may think that's that's small, man. You, it's easy to go find a job, but is it? It's not always as easy as you people say it is, because it's not. You're not that person. That person might struggle with certain certain things and and everything like that, and. But, I, I you know, I just say with if you're if you're feeling like you're like you're in that, in that mindset. You know, find that person that you can that you can speak with, that you feel comfortable with. That's not going to shun you. That's not going to look down on you or anything like that. Speak up. You know, talk to that person. Maybe that person can help you, or maybe that person knows somebody that can that can help you. And, and you don't know what it could be. You know, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe the job that you have is not paying you enough. But you, but you're already you're already working two different jobs. You're already working more than what you can work, and you don't get enough time to sleep. Or maybe it's you're dealing with something with school, or maybe it's something with your kids. Because you know a lot, a lot of people forget about that too. Or like mothers, single mothers, that you know when they have a couple kids or they get divorced, it's like they struggle because they they just have all these things that they got to take care of. And I knew a, I knew a. Actually, one of my teachers, she committed suicide, and she had three kids and a husband. And you would have never known, never have known that she had that train of thought because she's that was not who she was as a person. She was the great. She was a great talker. She always lifted her students up all the time. I would have never thought that she would have committed suicide, and that was back in two thousand and fourteen. That she committed suicide, and I would have and I and I would have never thought that she would have done something like that. 
because I didn't know that she what she was going through. No, I guess nobody knew what she was going through. But that is just one thing. It's like you don't know because they don't speak about it. Some people don't even speak about what they're dealing with, and they keep it hidden because they they're maybe they're embarrassed to speak about what they're dealing with. And so, and if they and if they speak about it, they feel like they're weak. Definitely, men, men f- won't. A lot of men don't want to speak about their problems because they feel like they're weak. And a lot of men, same thing. Like even talk, me talking about being sexually abused. A lot of men don't want to talk about that type of stuff because they're embarrassed or they feel like they're weak. And because men always want to act like they're, they're they're the strong ones, and it doesn't and, and it doesn't make you. Not strong when you talk about it. It actually makes you stronger when you talk about it. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you stronger. But, uh, you know, but again, you could, we could talk about suicide all day. I mean, it's, it's a, one of the biggest topics. I mean, they talk about it all the time, even in the military. Suicides. It happens all the time. You don't. And one of the things, like, I was, uh, you know, I was bringing up to my, uh, my first heart, and I was like, you know, one of the biggest things I, you know, we, we as NCOs, what we need to do with our lower enlisted is we need to be contacting them every week, asking them, how are they doing? Is there anything that you need? And things like that. We need, not, and, and you could do that even in, in, in the civilian world too. Ask your friends, how are you doing? You don't have to contact them every single day and ask them how they're doing and, you know, bothering them. But it's to still reach out to them and ask them, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? You need something? Because sometimes someone needs something, but they're afraid to ask you because they're, they have too much pride. And because of that, because sometimes, like for us, I know I have too much pride. And sometimes people that have too much pride, are, I believe sometimes are the ones who want to commit suicide too. Because they have too much pride to ask you for help. Or to seek the help. And they have that too much pride. that It could have been that they just needed $20 for some gas. But they were afraid to ask you for $20 for gas. So what do they do? They choose to do. They choose to commit suicide instead. And that is. And that's sad. Because maybe. Maybe all at the same time. They didn't feel like they had a friend. Or they didn't feel like they're friends. Because I'm. I, I, I've realized in this society, it doesn't feel like friends are friends nowadays. Back when we were younger, you had your best friend that you could always talk to. Your best friend was your best friend. They'll always do something for you and everything like that. And nowadays, people are too focused on themselves in this society. People are, t- people are too worried about what they're doing or what they have to accomplish and things like that. And they forget about the people, the other people around them, and if all and all it takes is just one text message or one phone call to ask someone how they're doing, it doesn't. That does not take that much time from you. Mm-hmm. It takes five seconds from you to text that person or to call that individual. You don't have to be on the phone for 10, 15 minutes. You can be on the phone for a minute. Five minutes, whatever the case may be, just ask that person how they're doing. Even to send it a text. A, t- a text message takes two seconds to send someone. And you can send them that text message. But again, we still have it's still hard to find out if that person, but that again, if even if that even if you sent that message and that person was like, Yeah, I, I I'm glad you texted me. And it, 
right there should tell you that person was probably going through something. You don't have to talk about it. Just know that that person told you, I needed that text message. I had people that I posted a, 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 a post on my social media, on my Instagram. And it was um, where the individual wrote me. And um, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I, I, I posted this, uh, this post on my Instagram that says, One day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through. And it will be someone else's survival guide. And I, I posted that and someone messaged me back and said that they, um, they needed to hear that. That felt good to me. That when they said I needed to hear that, that means I did something and I didn't even, it wasn't, I didn't even have that. And here's another one. I actually sent someone. I also posted on my Instagram that another, a couple other individuals said that I needed to hear this too. And it was, if you're struggling today, remember this, you have survived everything you've gone through up to this point. The best day of your life is still yet to come. There are still people who, there are still people you haven't met and the things you haven't experienced. You can do this. And I had several couple of people that messaged me and said that they needed to hear that. And I didn't expect, I wasn't looking for anything from someone to tell me that they needed that. But it felt good. I was like, oh, I'm glad that I posted that because that person, who knows what that person was going through. I didn't ask that person what they're going through. All I, what I told them was, I'm glad that this helped you out. And I kept it like that because I didn't want to get too per- into their personal business. I don't know them, you know. I mean, I do have a couple, several, a lot of followers on Instagram, but I didn't want to get into their business like that. But I wanted to make sure that I, when they sent me that message and they said that they needed to hear that, I wanted to make sure I send them a message back knowing that I received it and I saw what they wrote and say that I'm glad that helped you out today. And it's just, it's just the simple things like that. And that was a total stranger. I don't know that person. I never met the person, but a lot of the people on my Instagram, I don't know who they are. I never met a lot of them. I've never met, but when I, I've had other people who've messaged me just with based off of a lot of my posts, um, of me posting, um, quotes and things like that. And I've had a lot of people message me back and say, you know, I needed that or thank you for this. Um, you know, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to work on things and things like that. And when I receive those messages, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I felt like I helped someone and that, you know, it wasn't my intention. I wasn't seeking for, for anything to, for someone to say that. But when they, when people reach out to me and do say that it helped them, I'm happy that it helped them. But, you know, again, you know, there people, we deal with suicide all the time. And we need to open our eyes when your when your friends are seeking out, or even call your friend. You know, and it doesn't even have to be your friend, your family member too. It might be a family member that you don't talk to anymore, and things like that, or whatever the case can be. But our life is too short. We our life is too short for us to be angry at the world, or angry at the people, or to be mad about a stupid about a stupid situation it's you know it's time to be you know got to be an adult and deal with those things accordingly and get over the problem 
you know, every day is a new day. Tomorrow is a new day. So every day that you get to live and breathe is a new day for you to start over and to think more positive, to get the negative things out of your mind. Because suicide, it's not the route to route to go. And, and being with what I've dealt with, with suicide and trying to commit suicide uh, several times, um, sometimes, even though I had the people that I, I had in my life, I could still reach out to them if I wanted to. But in my mind, I didn't feel like my life was going the way I wanted my life to go. And I wasn't happy with the way that my life was going. So I felt the only way to deal with it is to take myself out. But at the, at the same time, I have three, I have three dogs and I look, I look back and I'm like, where would those two dogs, where would my, at the time I only had two dogs at the time. Now I have three because um, I rescue I rescue my dogs all the time. Um, but one of them I've had since 2011. And um, one, and now the very first, actually, I'm going to just be real quick with this. Uh, the very first time that I tried to commit suicide, I was in the car with my dog. And um, his name is Vividus. Um, stands for uh, full of life, but I rescued him back in Michigan in 2011. He was on his, they were actually going to put him down because nobody wanted him. He was a big, uh, black dog, black. He's a Labrador, uh, retriever mix a year and two months old. They were going to get rid of him because nobody wanted him being 80 something pound, 86 pounds and, and everything like that. But I was in I was in Colorado Springs and I was in my car and I was just going through so much I just couldn't handle it and um I I took I took my 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 gun and I put it put it towards my my um my head and my dog uh, Vividus looks at me and he licks my face. And he tries to like, and I see him try. He nudges. He's he's nudging the gun away from my from my head, and that's when I broke. Like I broke down in tears because I'm like, this dog just realized what I was about to do. And then that's when I called my my team leader when I was I was still I was in the military, I still am. But at the time, um, and I called my team leader and I says I just need some help. And then, but. In reality, if it wasn't for my my dog giving me, or if I didn't have him in the car, and, and he gives me, he, he, and he gives me that that lick on the face and nudges my my my, my gun away from my uh, from my head, who knows if I would have been here today or not? And and that was only the that was the first time. I've and it was a couple other times that I've done it too, but now I've you know. I, I realized like there's a lot more to live and life can be hard. It can, and definitely if your past has, a, has become a struggle for it, your, your, your life can be tough, but you have to be strong enough to be able to overcome it. There are going to be, no matter where you are, it doesn't matter how old you are. There's always going to be obstacles that are going to get in your way. You have to figure a way to get through, over, or around those obstacles. And if you can't do that, 
then that then, then it's going to be hard for you and that's you need to seek help but if you can do that you're just making yourself a stronger individual because nobody should be nobody should suffer alone if you need help get the help seek help and i know in the beginning of the of the segment i did say that i'm not big into counselors and things like that but that's my opinion on that but if if it works for you go seek it or if you have that friend that speaks that you can talk to go speak to them and i'm just going to leave it at that like um don't let your past dictate your future cuz today is a new cuz every day is a new day to have a better day and what you do today because what happened in the past is the past. What, ha- what you do today will change tomorrow. And to- what you do tomorrow will change your future. And if you're thinking about committing suicide, do seek help. Even though you got to be a strong person and seek the help. And, it, and, those other, and everybody else who's listening and things like that, you also should be, should be a person that texts your friend. If you haven't spoke to them or a family member and ask them, how are they doing? How are they doing? Just ask them. It's a simple text. It takes two seconds to do. It's too easy. Or even to call or even to call them for a minute and ask them how they're doing. It's too easy. Oh, thank you for that. Joe Stump, my friend, bringing up some great solid points. Transparency. You know, we've got mothers, fathers, people tuning in, single moms. I know quite a few of my friends that are single parents are listening today. We are talking about predatory behavior. Joe brought up some great points. Even the victim can become his or her's own predator. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to close out. I'm going to just do a recap here. Joe's going to fill in any closing thoughts social media. But once again, where we are at is creating dependency. Not only do does the perpetrator um, do this, but also the victim will do this to create dependency. A sexual predator may begin manipulating their chosen victim to create dependency and intimacy. In the beginning, they may be very attentive showering the individual with gifts, praise, phone calls, and texts. Well, the victim can do this as well to make sure that you're still paying attention. Are you, am I on the top of your list? Are you going to do what I want when I want on board? I want to go out. Can we go, uh, can we go here? Can we go there? You know, um, so just keep in mind, this even happens greatly in the entertainment industry. I've experienced it at a very young age. Uh, when I was, um, I actually stopped modeling and acting because my model acting coach, um, pursued me in a way uh, that, uh, um, I was only 15, 14, 15 at the time. And, um, and I was like, if this is what the career is going to be like, and I had friends that committed suicide. I mean, I know someone that was 12 years old who was sexually exploited in the, inter- in, in this business, in the modeling industry. And, uh, she killed herself. Um, the, this is something I shared with Joe the other day. Um, that you've got to be very, very careful in what people with their intentions. Lastly, when we look at grooming, grooming can feel exhilarating at first. The predator employs attentiveness, sensitivity, false empathy, and plenty of positive reinforcement to seduce their victims. 
uh, coming up to what Joe had talked about in his topic point. For their part, victims can be so enthralled with or overwhelmed by the attention that they are receiving, they will often overlook and ignore the red flags. Um, and I'm going to honestly say that if someone is encouraging the victim to victimize and preterize themselves and you're encouraging it and you are condoning and advocating intimacy and continued intimacy, especially when you know someone has been raped, sexually abused, violated, suicidal, all of these things that Joe was talking about. If it is not expressed that you are in a loving, committed relationship or marriage that warrants a responsible, mutual connection of that intimacy, then why is it happening? So I'm going to honestly say that if you are out there, anyone that is out there and you know someone that has gone through what Joe's gone through, my story, I've shared about it already, it's out there, and you come to the table and you're there doing your fuckery, even if you were to say, oh, well, it was the other person that pursued me. Well, you're an adult. You had a choice. You could have had, you had two choices. Take your time to really get to know the person first, to love them and really love them before doing this, or don't do it at all. Lastly, there are six main stages to grooming. Well, number one, targeting the victim. Number two, gaining the victim's trust. Number three, filling a need. Number four, isolating the victim. This is where family and friends start to question and concern. Who the fuck is this? What's going on? Number five, sexualizing the relationship. Sexualizing meaning intimacy, whatever you want to call it. I call it exploitation. Lastly, number six, maintaining control. The number one thing is always maintaining control, whether it's the the predator to the victim or the victim to the predator. It's control. It's making sure that you get what you want when you want it. Okay, that's not just a narcissism thing. That's uh, that that's that's you know mental. That's severe mental illness, and it's not judgment. It is what it is in addition to it, and it's topics that we've discussed before. Joe and I may talk about that later on down the road with uh, any guests that we may end up having. Next weekend, I want to thank everyone uh, for tuning in live on air with Stephen Cuoco on Power 98.5 with my brand new co-host, and I hope he's with us here as often as possible. Joe does work a lot. He is with the military. So as you guys know, a lot of times my interviews are during the day, but we will either get him here at night when I when we have someone, definitely the weekend. Uh, but Joe is made for radio. And uh, we definitely want him back on here more. And I've been getting some really good feedback by people online. So before Joe goes into sharing about his social media, where you can find him, everything awesome and fantastic that makes Joe Joe of why he's my good friend for now a year and a half going in. Plus, uh, I think that we've covered really everything. This will air tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Once again, 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Monday and Tuesday, this episode is going to air. Joe, close us out. Tell us uh, your final thoughts and where everyone can find you moving forward. Uh, One thing real quick I just wanted to bring up too is like, everybody remember the show, What Would You Do? 
Yeah. Just think about if someone's trying to commit suicide, what would you do? Or what would you want them to do? Same thing if you see a child and stuff. We, what we need to realize as adults, we are all victim advocates. And we can be. So when you see something, you say something. Mm-hmm. Don't let that child keep being abused. Or the same thing, don't let that woman be abused or the man be abused. It doesn't matter. I mean, men can be abused too. Say something. Open up. Stop. You might feel like you're weak, but be that strong person. And that person might say something or step up between your face or something like that. But who cares? You were strong enough to say something. But anyways, um, so if you guys want to uh, follow me. Um, you can follow me, follow me on my Instagram at fitjoco, F-I-T-J-O-E-C-O. Also, I on my um, Snapchat, I'm also under fitjoco. Um, and so those are the social medias that I'd be willing to give out. Um, but if yes, if you guys want to follow me, it's under fitjoco. Um, thank you for hearing me out and about the foster care system and he- hearing my story. But again, I could tell you all, I could write a book about my, my, my past, but writing a book is not for me and it's not made for me. Um, so my whole goal is to tell you people my past and to hoax, to have other people to open up about their past and to speak up about it so they can stop living in the horror that they dealt with their whole entire life and to become ready to be independent about their their story and to become more independent in their lives so they can no longer deal with that situation and stuff so thank you everyone for tuning in and um i hope everybody has themselves a wonderful night and a great rest of the week I love that closeout and if excellent closeout, Joe. And if you would like to know more, you can go to stephenquoco.com, triple W, Stephen Quoco, S-T-E-V-E-N-C-U-O-C-O.com. Joe is under my top talent. Uh, So, uh, you know, we've got some great photos there. I had the opportunity to take great bio. Uh, You know, if you want to book Joe, want to have him for anything uh, for speaking engagement, whatever it may be, you can go ahead and fill out the contact form. It will come directly over to me and or my assistant. The information is vetted. Uh, Joe knows that I take things very seriously. Like I said, I don't regret going into acting and modeling when I was a kid, but after uh, several situations um, from in a business, I decided to be a legal advocate and get into public relations and to practice a bit of law when it comes to copyright and intellectual property. Uh, So with that being said, Joe's going to be on uh, more often when he can, we have the opportunity next weekend, second chance, uh, rapper, music artist. He was supposed to be on this weekend, but he's touring right now doing a little mini tour and, uh, his managers is going to work to see what we can do to get him on this coming Saturday, Saturday, we're going to do a live music drop one or two live music drops of second chance. Oh, you can also find me on TikTok. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <Fit> Joko too. <laughs> you <can> also <laughs> and if you find him, don't create a fucking fake profile, please. Yes. All right. I get tons of that. Yeah. So Fit Joko. Uh, on all my social media. On all the social media. TikTok, Instagram, 
and Snapchat is all fit Joe go. Okay, excellent. How do you feel, Joe? Did you like this? Your first time co-hosting? How did it? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah, you did pretty well. You did. I'm impressed. I'm proud of you. You're made for this. I said a prayer in my head that this can uh, lead us to uh, bigger things. I I would love for, for Joe to be in radio and stay in radio. I'm going to teach you a lot of stuff here. And um, I, I would say, you know, I support the modeling and everything. There isn't any money, but we're, we're going to work hard and we're going to see where this radio situation can take you and take us. And, uh, you know, hopefully with things move opening back up in the entertainment industry, uh, definitely can get to more events, more sponsorships and things like that. So this is a great start. Um, and I'm, uh, going to work on a special introduction every time, uh, Joe comes on. I'm going to have something really, really great done by my friend Huss Rajip out there in London. So, uh, thank you for everyone from here all around the world. We're in Manchester. We're in New York. Uh, now we're out here in, uh, Denver area. So that's what we're in a, uh, private studio out here, Joe and me. So if uh, you heard a little bit of banging or a little bit here and there, we're, we're still adjusting to, uh, to the new set and everything like that. But uh, overall, Joe's got more space than I do, but I don't mind having a, uh, a little bit more closer space since we are doing things here. Thanks to my team out there in Manchester that are ha- that's handling things abroad. I really want to thank everyone, my tech team, uh, for putting things together, getting everything done. Joe, what a great night, man. This is the longest time. Two out, two hours and 10 minutes. I've never been on a radio that long. I spoke a lot. <laughs> no, but it was worth it. <laughs> what are your thoughts about uh, hopefully this coming weekend, Second Chance uh, can make it on? You're looking forward to? I am looking forward because I follow Second Chance and uh, for a while. And uh, I just like his music and what he stands for. Um, because you know, he's, uh, he's all about America (laughs) and, uh, I like how, you know, his music and he, how he just, he can play R and B rap and country music and it's all, all different things. So he's pretty, he's pretty talented in all those different, uh, genres. And, uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to be able to talk to him and, uh, get to know him as a person and, uh. You know, I mean, and if you guys follow me, I do, I do a lot of shout outs for a lot of people all the time. Um, just because I'm always trying to get, you know, I always want to see, I always want to see other people to become just as successful. And I'm always using my platform and the amount of followers that I have to push people's information out there, regardless of what they do. Um, you know, even if it's modeling or they got a clothing line or they're making music or they want to be an actor or what, or whatever the case, it could be something that they're doing. I just want, I always will do it. I do a lot of shout outs for them because I want to see those people become successful and for them to get new followers and potentially new clients, new people to buy their, per, uh, to buy their products. So um, that's what I like to do because I want to see other people be successful. And with that, I have to say, just don't take advantage of him when you do that either because I'm the opposite. I'm not into shout-outs at all. 
Um, I don't mind them, but that, that's the thing that I like with Joe and I. He and I are a lot alike in a lot of ways, but also different in a lot of good ways. So I'm sure, you know, it, w- what's great about uh, about the type of, you know, when you've got a good friend, when, you, when you're not only having a good points, but when you've got friction from time to time, <laughs> and I know I can be a handful, but uh, I give Joe a lot of credit because sometimes I wonder what goes in his head when he deals with me because, you know, you get so used to being yourself. Um, I know what my childhood friends had gone through, but, uh, but I, I'm really grateful for Joe and the type of friendship that we have because uh, it, it's great to, to be so comfortable with someone to where you don't have to feel like you're perfect all the time. You don't, I don't even feel like that. That's not part of who I am, but at least I know that if I'm being a certain way or whatever, I tell him you can call me out for anything. You know, I want to, I want to know how I am and how I, how I'm acting. And I share the same back to him being a mirror reflection. So thank you everyone. Fit Joko. Catch him all over the place. Be kind. Don't create a fake profile of him. When he gives shout outs and he's out there supporting you, uh, you know, show respect, reciprocate. Don't take advantage. Don't take advantage of people. This was a long topic point, but it was all well worth it. And, uh, you know, if you turn tuned in in the middle towards the end, this will air 8 a.m. and, and 6 p.m. this Monday and Tuesday. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for being with us tonight and uh, peace out. Connect.